Grab your Bible, Psalms chapter number 66 this morning. Psalms chapter number 66, right there in the middle of your Bible. Psalm chapter number 66. We'll read the first six verses responsively. I'll begin reading in verse number one out loud, and then you'll join me on verse number two, and we'll alternate down through verse number six. Psalms chapter number 66 this morning, beginning in verse number one. The Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praises glorious. Say unto God, How terrible art thou in thy works. Through the greatness of thy power shall thine enemies submit themselves unto thee. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. Come and see the works of God. He is terrible in his doing toward the children of men. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the flood on foot. There did we rejoice in him. And let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the word of God. Thank you that it's, uh, Lord, it's not a history book. It's not a, a book that sits in... Uh, just tells us about events of the past, but it's a living book. It's a breathing book. It is the ever-living, eternal words of our God. And thank you for it. Teach us a truth today that we need. Uh, Lord, may we walk away rejoicing and seeing life a bit more like you do and a little less like we sinners do, please. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Psalm 66 is an amazing passage, and there's one line that I want to pull out today, and I'll show it to you in just a moment here. But let me start by saying this. I love to see God work. I stand amazed at what God's doing at Grace Baptist Church. Folks, look around. In a day and age when churches are shutting down, ours is growing. In a day and age where uh, people watch online in their pajamas instead of going to church, and uh, even that is very minimal, God's blessing the, the, the Grace Baptist Church. We're seeing people saved every week. We've had people saved this week. We're seeing families reached and Lives changed and people influenced with right. Seeing God work miracle after miracle after miracle. Can I tell you what a miracle it is? Uh, I'll be 56 years old in a few weeks, a few months here, a couple months. Shut up. (laughs) Baby face. Ugly baby face at that. But wait a minute. Uh, when I started this church, God had me start this church when I was 45 years old. 45-year-old preachers don't go out and start churches from nothing. That they, I had many a preacher say, uh, Brother Bush, you're, you're too old to do that. I said, I might be, but God's not. Amen. They said, well, it probably won't do much. <laughs> That's like saying sick him to a bulldog to me. Uh, I believed, and I still believe, that God is pleased with what's going on here at Grace Baptist Church. We may not be able to see God, 
But we can see God work. And we have seen God work. Now please listen to me. I'm I'm going to do a little preaching, teaching, and unteaching, and unpreaching all at the same time here. I often hear people say that they want to wait until they feel him before they do something. They want a tingle. They want an emotional touch. Well, I'm fixing to hook up electricity to every one of them chairs and push a button and you're going to feel something. Amen? They want a feeling as a confirmation that they should do something for God. If you read your Bible, God says we're to obey him whether you feel anything or not. I'm not supposed to sit here and say, well, I'm going to wait for till I feel led by God to do something. Well, God already gave you the charge and the command, get up off your do nothing and do something and watch what God can do through you. Amen. God wants our obedience no matter our motive or our feeling. Amen. Do you know there are days I don't feel like doing something for God? Say, well, you're a preacher. Yeah, I'm a man too. Uh, Please don't take this the wrong way. I get a little tired of going to funeral homes. I don't feel like doing funerals, but I've done near a thousand of them. I don't feel like sitting across the desk and dealing with families who have lost somebody they love because it hurts me. But guess what? doesn't matter how I feel. I'm supposed to obey God. Everybody doing all right? Uh, we are not the center of any world. God is. We live in a pretty small world when we are the center of it. We have a pretty small Christianity when it's, well, God, why did you treat me this way? Why did this happen to me? Get your eyes off yourself and look to God. God makes one of the most powerful statements in this entire book in Psalm 66, verse number 5. Look at it with me. Come and see the works of God. Come and see the works of God. Let me keep looking at it. Does God say, come and feel the work of God? Does God say, wait till you feel it to see it? No. He said, come and see the works of God. God does not tell us to wait for some experience before we see his work. God does not tell us to wait for some feeling or the right motivation before we see him work. God plainly tells us that we are to come and see his works. I can't tell you always how he will work. But bless God, I can tell you, I know he's going to work. I can't tell you always how it's going to manifest itself. But 
I can tell you, God is going to work. Amen. I sat in the living room with my sister-in-law just two weeks ago. And I said, Crystal, I can't tell you how God's going to work through all this. But I can tell you, God's going to work through all this. I can't tell you how God's going to work it all out. Amen, Brother James. But Brother Matthew, he always works it out. When God wants us to see something, he doesn't just reveal it to us. Notice there's a condition on us seeing his work. He said, come. God isn't just going to open up the sky and say, here it is, y'all. No. He said, I want you to come. And then I'll show you. See, God's not worried about our feelings. He wants you to focus on his works. God knows you're going to hurt. God didn't make you to hurt, though. Sin did. We caused the hurt feeling by our sin and our sinfulness. But he knows that if you will get your eyes off your feelings and get your eyes on his works, your feelings will not override your obedience. Too many times... I've, I've heard it in the last several weeks. Well, I'm just waiting on God to show me. I had one person say that, and they said, what do you think? I said, you really don't want to know. They said, no, I want to know. I said, are you sure? They said, yes. I said, get off your blessed do nothing and go do something, and then God will show you. If you're waiting for him to show you first, you're going to sit there the rest of your life. They said, you're right, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> I said, I don't care. And I opened the Bible and showed them. I get a little weary of people thinking they're spiritual. Well, I'm just going to pray about this. And when, when I have peace, then I'll go do this. Get up and do something. Amen. Peace is not tranquility. Peace is a result of... Of battle and war. God doesn't say wait till you have tranquility. He said go out and fight and win the battle. And then I'll show you what's next. Boy that's good stuff. God wants to know that we are going to see his works. Whether the emotions work themselves out or not. Did you know I wasn't real happy having to preach my brother-in-law's funeral? I wasn't jumping up and down for joy. Oh, good, I get to preach his funeral. 56 years old and died of cancer. I can't tell you I was real excited about it. I was honored. I was humbled. First of all, God wants us to see him work. Everybody do me a favor. Look this way. 
When you look this way, you don't have to wait for a feeling to see me. Now, some of you get a little sick feeling in your gut when you look at it, but uh, you don't wait for a feeling to see. That's why God says, look unto me. Come and see what the Lord hath done. We are to look to God. It doesn't require feelings to see something. <laughs> uh, well, I just don't feel led, preacher. Well, let me grab you by the arm and I'll lead you. Well, <laughs> uh, may I say something? God doesn't say, wait till you feel led to open up your eyes and see. God says, come and see the works of God. Take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8. This is a very familiar passage to many of you in the room. If you're a newer Christian, maybe not quite so much. But I'm going to teach you, I'm going to preach a whole sermon in about three minutes here on this one, one verse. Romans chapter 8, look at verse number 28. And I want you to follow real closely, some of you, put your finger on it. Lick it and put it on there because we're going to look at these words very carefully here. Don't stick your wet finger in somebody's ear. <sighs> Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. And we know that how many things? Oh, oh you all sound like a bunch of Methodists. How many things? Oh. All things. And we know that all things work together for what? Good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now look at it again. Does it say, and we know that all things work together for my good? Oh. Did God say that, and we know that all things are good? No. But I want you to notice the one word that we skip in this verse all the time. And we know that all things, what's the next word? Work. Come and see the works. Of God. Now look at me. God didn't even say that he's going to take everything in your situation and work it out for your good. What God says in Romans 8.28 is that he will salvage as much good. He's going to use that situation to bring as much work for good that he can get out of that situation. And we know that all things work together for as much good as we can get out of it. This last December, after we found out Paul had cancer, Deb and I flew down to Texas, spent three, two and a half days with him. I sat on the couch and planned his funeral with him. He looked at me with tears running down his face. He said, Craig, he said, I need you to make sure that you get the gospel to them. My, my friends, my co-workers, my family needs to hear the gospel. I want them to get saved. He said, I don't have time to talk to them. I'm not in any condition to right now. Would you please preach the gospel? I said, Paul, you don't have to ask. He said, I know, but I'm doing it anyway. He said, you let them know I'm fine. I'll be in heaven. I said, I know you will. 
Because we had already talked about that. Now, wait a minute. Was it good for a 56-year-old man to die of cancer? No. Is it fair to my almost 50-year-old sister-in-law? I won't tell you how old she is. Is it fair for her to live the rest of her life as a widow? Is it good? No. But I preached in a chapel about the size of our auditorium or a little, little bigger. We saw 15 hands go in the air for salvation. Brother James, I flew back on Monday. By the time I got back, my sister-in-law called me. She said one of our adopted kids in a distant state watched online called me today and said that at the end of the service, they bowed their head and trusted Christ as their Savior. Hold my mule while I shout, glory. God was salvaging good out of a not good situation. Do you not see God working in that? Good night. Just getting that family together and not having to call the police afterwards was God working together for good. <laughs> Y'all laugh. I'm not. You know what I'm talking about. Whew. You talk about a rough crowd. Now, wait a minute. God didn't say it's all going to work out for our good. But we think if it doesn't come to us that it wasn't good. Do you know maybe more people got saved because of Paul's death than had he lived? I don't know. I really don't know. So was that good? Well, I saw God work. I saw God work. You see... Ecclesiastes 8.17 says this, Behold the work of God. Do you know what you have to do to behold the work of God? You have to see. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, look at verse number 5. Just over a little bit. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child... Even so thou wilt knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Let me be a grandpa for a second. I'm going to be a grandpa the rest of my life. After they brought our grandson home, I was sitting on the couch holding my grandson in my arm. Looking at those eyes. And you talk about a bright-eyed little kid. <laughs> Now, he's about as dumb as a newborn deer. <laughs> they look at you like, there ain't nothing there. You know. <laughs> now, my daughter and son-in-law were sitting across from my wife and I as I held Hudson. And I looked at both of them and I said, that right there is a miracle. And they... They, they said, yes, Dad, but why do you say that? I said, isn't it amazing how for the last nine months that grew inside you, Mindy? 
And look what you got. I said, that's unexplainable. It is one of the biggest miracles on the face of the earth. And then I said, you have one chance in life for him. You better give it your best shot. You better make sure you do everything you can to rear him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Teach him to obey authority and right. Teach him to work hard, and I know you will. But what a miracle. The growth of a child in the womb, and even the birth itself. What a miracle. I can't tell you how it all works. Neither can any other human. Well, I could give you a science lesson on it, but that still doesn't tell you everything. She hatched a seven pound, four and a half ounce perfect human being. My daughter says, isn't he perfect? I said, no, he's a sinner. He's got his grandfather's blood. I was talking about Nathan, not me. Uh, I, I said, no, he's not perfect, but you're right. Ten fingers, ten toes. He looks perfect. He's He's a, a perfect miniature human. And I said, I got the one thing I asked for. He's not bald. <laughs> Head of black hair, thank God. I said, past that, don't care what it is. Oh, wait a minute. What a miracle to see the work of God. And I looked at both of them and I said... You are now going to grow in your spiritual life like you've never seen before because now you're going to understand God as a parent. And my son-in-law said, Whoa, Dad. That's a heavy thought. I said, Yes, sir, it is. I can't tell you how God's always going to work, but I can tell you this. You're going to see him work. You're not going to feel it. You're going to see it. You're not going to experience it. You're going to see it. But you're going to have to do your part before you see it. Let me ask you a question. Are you even looking for him to do his part? I watch Christians all the time walk by the work of God and they don't even see the work of God. O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. How the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. What is man that thou art mindful of him? The son of man that thou visitest him. The heavens declare the glory of God in the firmament. It showeth his handiwork. When's the last time you looked up at a sunrise or a sunset or the sky and said, look how wonderful God is. It didn't happen with a giant bang. It didn't happen because a giant cloud of Cosmic dust formed and exploded one day, and out of all the dust that exploded, only one place could sustain life. No, our God created it. We're not to wait for a feeling. We're to obey. It reminds me of the story of Gideon. If you remember, Gideon had 
about 23,000 soldiers to go against 435,000 Midianite soldiers. God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, you have a problem with the size of your army. He said, yeah, I could use a few more volunteers, God. He said, no, you got too many. He said, mm, say what? It's already about seven to one. This is not a good thing. God brought it all the way down to 300. Can you imagine 300 soldiers going against 435,000? And they don't even have an armor-plated camel. Is all they had was a trumpet in one hand, a clay pot, and a torch. Now you talk about a suicide mission, that's it. Put a hundred over here, a hundred over here, a hundred over here. And at the sound of the trumpet, everybody blows the trumpet. Everybody charges in, crashes their pot on the ground, hold the torch up and say, and the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And God caused the Midianite army to all kill each other. And they did nothing. They just directed each other, watching these Midianites kill each other. And God brought a great harvest. Say, preacher, what is that? The work of God. What happened had there not been 300 men go out there with a clay pot, a torch, and a trumpet? God wasn't just going to wipe out the Midianites. They had to do their part. So, first of all, God wants us to see his work. Look around and see the work. I wish some of you that have come in recent days would have understood what this property looked like about seven, eight years ago. It was a jungle full of plastic pots and junk and tires. Amen, Brother Barnes? Uh, I think we took 70-some tires off this property to the junkyard. And we had a 13-yard dumpster that was filled to capacity and squished down by every, I was going to say every fat person, every person we could get in there to stomp them down. Poison sumac everywhere. Grass so high you couldn't see. Look what God's done. See the works of God. But look inside and see all the people and what God has done to the people inside this room. Next, God tells us to come. Don't just see, but you've got to come to see. May I say something here? We have to initiate the action. I've learned something in 42 years of preaching and almost 35 years of full-time Christian service. God doesn't let you see something till you've done something. You've got to do the doing before God lets you do the seeing. We have to go where he is working. We have to do our part in order for us to see him do his part. Too often Christians just want to wait for God to do his part and then they'll say, well, after God does something, then I'll go do my part. Oh, no, 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 no. You go do your part and then let God kick in what you can't do. You see, God wants us to obey that book whether we see him work or not. Everybody doing all right? 
But I'll promise you something. You do what that book says. You will see him. You will. Uh, If we would just obey the Bible, it's amazing what we could see. By the way, that means this. I like being places where God works. God happens to work at Grace Baptist Church. And it's not Mrs. Barnes or Brother Josh. Nor is it me. It's God working. So that means this. We ought to come where God works and see God work. Did you know if you don't show up, you can't see him work? I'm not being mean or nasty. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't know about you. I like coming to church just to see God work. I've been in those churches that feel like you walked into a museum. You know, they play the spooky music. They're dark. You feel like you're afraid to touch anything because you're going to get in trouble. Some old cranky lady's going to get on you for sitting in her seat. (laughs) It didn't happen this time. But before I sat down, there was a couple people sitting around me. I said, is anybody else sitting here? No, you can go ahead and sit there. I said, well, I didn't want to take somebody's seat. Oh, don't you worry. I think we ought to be here as much as we can to see God work as much as he can. You know, the more times you come to church, the more times you'll see him work. I think we ought to be here as much as we possibly can to all the services. You say, why? Because I like seeing God work. I'm a little partial. I think we ought to join the church. I think if you're going to come and you're going to come regularly, why not put your name on the membership and say, God, just sign me up. I'm here. I'm here. (laughs) The greatest thing is God will meet you wherever you are, though. Turn to Psalm 92, just a few chapters over. Psalm 92. Look at verse number 1. It is a good thing to give thanks to the Lord, to sing His praise, uh, sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. To show forth thy loving kindness in the what? Morning. And thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon a psaltery. Upon the harp with solemn sound, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. Isn't it amazing? The more we see God work, the more we want to see him work. I came this morning very early, about 5 o'clock this morning. I pulled on parking lot, and I was walking from my truck over. And I said, God, I want to see you work today. God, I want to, I, I can't do it. I'm a sinner. I can't do anything, but you could use me, and would we be able to see your work today? Psalm 139, verse number 8 I'll read it to you. You need not turn there. I'm just going to read one verse to you. Psalm 139, verse number 8. God says, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. 
Can I tell you something? God will be with you wherever you're at. I could see God work as I sat on an airplane and flew to Texas. I could see God work as I stood at the counter waiting in line to get a rental car when I was in the Dallas airport. A young lady came in and she was pretty brash and pretty pretty loud. <laughs> she said, are you here for pleasure? I said, not really. She said, what do you mean? I said, I've come to preach a funeral for my brother-in-law. There was about 40 people in this enterprise rental car place crammed into there shoulder to shoulder. And she talked as loud as if she had a microphone. She said, oh, I'm so sorry. Your brother-in-law died. Are you a preacher? You know, every head in the place. You know, it's either put up or shut up at that moment. Amen. There I stood talking to her and gave her the gospel. She had been saved. But everybody else in the room heard it. I got to the counter and, of course, I had my reservation already done. And the lady looked at me and she said, Pastor Bush, I know you didn't ask this, but we've upgraded you because of your situation. They gave me a little nicer car than what I had paid for. Saw the work of God. I walked out and they said, well, we don't have any of that class. We're going to upgrade you one more time. I said, how much is this going to cost? He said, oh, nothing. <laughs> God, you're good. God, you're good. While I was in Texas, I had a pastor friend. I didn't even see him. He's hours and hours away. He called me and said, Brother Bush, I'm sending you a check. It covered all my car rental and about half my airfare. God's good. I get to see the work of God. Uh, maybe we ought to just enjoy things. Stood in line, waiting to come back early in the morning. A fellow standing next to me and he said, what number, because I flew Southwest Airline, you got to line up by number, you know, pass there on your head. And I said, I'm this number. And he said, oh, you're, you're one ahead of me. I said, sir, just stay where you're at. You getting on the plane before me isn't going to get me one seat difference. He just kind of chuckled. We began to talk. Found out he was a Christian. We talked and talked and talked and talked. He sat behind me, and I didn't even know it on the airplane. And when I get on an airplane, I just work. I got my Bible, got my notes out, and I'm... I'm engrossed in working on sermons the whole time I'm on a stupid flight. I got done and I stood up and they said, oh, you were sitting right behind me. He reached out his hand, Brother Cross. He said, it's been a long time since I met a preacher that works like you. He said, you don't just talk about it, you do it. He said, do you have a track from your church? I said, I do. Reached in my pocket and handed it to him. He said, it's been an honor to watch you work. I thought, well, why come you didn't work? <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to see God work. 
as I was stepping off the airplane, one of the stewardesses, she pulled me aside. She said, I know you're a preacher. I said, how do you know that? She said, ain't nobody else going to work on an airplane with a Bible open the whole time. She said, could you pray for my mama? She's sick and about to die. I said, I can. Reached in my briefcase and pulled out one of my booklets on death and gave to her. I got to see God work. Isn't it amazing how many times we pass up what the work of God really is? God gives us an invitation to come. But if we don't come, we're not going to see. I wonder how many blessings we miss and how much we miss seeing God work because we don't show up where we're supposed to be. Thirdly, and I'll finish very quickly. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God talks about seeing his works in his house. That's the church. If God started the church, Jesus did, and he works here at the church, don't you think we ought to be a part of it? Don't you think we ought to be a part of bringing people to it so that they can see God work? He started it for us not just to attend occasionally. It wasn't for us to do when we didn't have anything else left to do. I talk to people that have been hurt by church. They've been hurt by religion, not God. Religion is man telling God how God has to accept man. A biblical New Testament church is, we do what God said, like it or lump it. He already did it, we just accept it and do what he says. It's not about religion. God not only wants you to attend, but he wants you to see his work. He said, come and see. When we see people walk an aisle and get saved or they join the church or they get baptized and uh, people, uh, we see God working and they get involved in the choir and they get involved in helping in the nursery or in Sunday school and we begin to see God working in people's lives. Can I tell you something? There's nothing greater. Nothing. Have you ever been to one of those churches that felt like you went to a funeral service? It's not that way here. Can I tell you why? God's at work. You say, well, I can feel it, preacher. Well, sometimes I can't feel it, but I can see it. I look across this auditorium and see some of you tough old codgers that God reached down. Amen, Brother Larry? I mean this. One of the, one of the toughest men you'll ever meet is Brother Larry Cole. I remember the day they stumbled into our church. I said, well... If you're looking for something fancy, this ain't it. He said, I ain't fancy. (laughs) He was sitting back about two-thirds of the way back on this side of the auditorium. And I got done preaching that day. Miss Sherry left her seat and came to the front, bowed her head and trusted Christ. Brother Larry was white-knuckled on the back of the chairs. One of our men walked over and said, Brother Larry, Larry, would you go get saved? 
walked down that aisle and God changed his life and eternity. I'd go down story after story after story after story after story like that. Say, what is that? God working. God working. God said, come and see the works of God. You have to come. You have to look. And we have to obey. It's time for the people in the church to come and see the works of God. Time for us to go out there and say, you want to come see God work? Come to Grace Baptist Church. You want to see what God can do? Just show up. You ain't going to believe it. We're kind of like a bag of Lay's potato chips. You can't do it just once. Amen? God doesn't want the church to be like a museum. Listen to this. And show off what was. A museum showcases things that were that are no longer. God's ever eternal and present. I thank God for Grace Baptist Church and God shows us what he is doing. Not what he did do, but what he is doing. People getting saved. People's lives being changed. Christians being strengthened and helped and drawn closer to God. Yes, all those things. But we get to see the works of God. Come and see the works of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done.